name is Martha. And this is Colby on Martha and Colby Grow Up. A podcast where we talk about the things that made us who we are and where we're going in the future. Because every week we're finding a new way that we're growing up. Hi, this is Martha. And this is Colby. I'm Martha and Colby Grow Up. A podcast where 20-somethings navigate life apart together. Hey, a month later. A month later. First try. That's the first time we've done that in one yeah, try. We're in good at this now. Are we? It took it took us taking three, <laughs> four weeks off between podcasts to get good at it. Uh, which is a good point. If you've been missing us, you can find us both on the Four Nations Report and Avatar Rewatch podcast, available wherever you get this one. Uh, we know it's not as popular as this one because I track the downloads. But you know what? That's okay, because we still have fun. But watch Avatar. People love it. Yeah, watch Even Avatar. the people that don't like it, like it, because I tell them to keep watching, and then they, then they eventually like it. I force it on people. <laughs> So anyways, listeners, welcome back. And as always, we will start with a question of the week. And that question is, what is your favorite smell or scent, Colby? My favorite smell or scent, as I am looking literally at a canvas of this place, is the student slash band entrance to the Dean Dome, where you walk in and you, you smell the popcorn and the hot dogs and the students congregating to get in their seats because they, they're dirty college students that are smelly. Um, it's a great scent. It's a great atmosphere. It reminds me of a time where we could be um, in closed spaces together. What a time that was. We're like uh, Steve Rogers waking up from the ice <laughs> to find out no one can touch. Uh, I believe we are um, <laughs> currently in the ice. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, my favorite scent is neroli um and if i had to define to you what neroli is it is an essential oil produced from the blossom of the bitter orange tree its scent is sweet honeyed and somewhat metallic with green and spicy facets from wikipedia but i used to make essential oil blends with an ex-boyfriend we were gonna get into candle making but that never took off so we just like made a bunch of roller balls it was super fun, but neroli was like by far one of the best scents. It's kind of like woody, citrusy. It's great. Woody's my favorite Pixar character. <laughs> What's mine? I don't know. I literally made that up. I don't even like Toy Story like that. <sighs> now I'm stuck on this. All right. Uh, before <laughs> the end of this episode, I will come up with my favorite character. Kobe, this week we are talking about a kind of a passion of mine or at least something i know a lot about and that is health insurance Woo. Woo. health insurance it's, that it's, is um it's, it's, everyone loves the institution of health insurance in america nobody dislikes it right well we'll get into that but first we are going to start out with the history of health insurance uh, so according to the musical Hamilton and, and nothing else, the country came into life in 1776 when the Declaration of Independence was signed. I really thought you were going to say the country came into in, into existence in 2016. Went on <laughs> <Broadway>. <laughs> uh, no, but health insurance did not come into play until 1850. And this is like 
not health insurance as we know it today. Uh, this was accident-based coverage for rail railroad workers and steamboat workers. Uh, so according to an article that I found, the first employer-based disability coverage was issued in 1911. Um, and we'll get into disability coverage in just a second. But basically, that replaced wages uh, for workers who lost, you know, time by not going to work. Um, and it did not cover any medical expenses. Um, and as we know, like healthcare back then was kind of gritty and weird and not what we know of it uh, today. Um which is actually very interesting because I just watched a Grey's Anatomy episode on the state of healthcare in the country. So we will be covering that as well. But basically, disability insurance, uh, we're not going to go into it much, but it covers you if you suddenly become disabled and lose wages. So say I my arm got cut off, I couldn't work because it needed to heal. That's where disability co insurance comes in, in addition to health insurance. But there are short-term disability insurances, um, so that's like six months, and then long-term disability insurance, so that's over six months. Um, so like, eh, not a great example, but cancer, let's say. If you couldn't work because of cancer, disability insurance would cover you. So it's all about protecting labor. Yes. Protecting our economy. Interesting. Oh, by the way, y'all, I'm hearing this all for the first time with y'all. So <laughs> that's why that's why my comment sounds like it does. Anyway, please. Yes, and stop me if you have questions. Uh, stop me if you have comments. We'll make this a dialogue. But modern insurance um, sort of began in the 1920s, uh, where you got it from the hospital. And the hospitals actually provided the insurance on a prepaid basis. So you would pay like... I don't know, 100, 200 bucks into the hospital and they would cover you. Uh, but this eventually formed the organization known as Blue Cross, which is one of the largest and oldest insurance providers. Fast forward again about 15 years into 1935. Uh, the Roosevelt administration, which one? Teddy? Yeah. What, what's the last one? Um, no, you say 1940s? 1935. 1935 is um, FDR. Thank That's you. Frankie. I don't know why I couldn't remember the other one. Uh, but Frankie anyways, Rose. Frankie D. Um, introduced Social Security, uh, which we all know and cannot, um, you know, get because we're too young, but we do pay into it. Um, and as part of that, health insurance was not included. So, bummer. You get benefits if you're old, but not health benefits. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I laughed at that. That's actually pretty sad. <laughs> Um, what else can you do like it's um it's not like this is a a topic that's filled with joy right now right so. listen i wasn't alive back then it doesn't affect me so <laughs> that's the spirit um and fast forward again uh so these are like the way beginnings but now we sort of started to get into um employer-based insurance which is probably what most people have now and that expanded because of wage control in world war ii um, actually in 1945 president truman proposed a system of public health insurance um, and and in his 1945 address um, but he envisioned a system that would be open to all americans but would remain optional so you didn't have to do it if you didn't want to you would pay fees into the plan, which would cover the cost of medical expenses, 
Um, and surprise, surprise, this was not actually popular with the American Medical Association and other, you know, corporations because it was considered socialism. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. dun. <laughs> not socialism. Not socialism. By God, those socialists. Yes, employer-sponsored coverage was, again, the most common way to get health insurance, but a new thing, or like, I don't exactly know when it was introduced, but uh, something that you've probably heard of is Medicare and Medicaid. Um, and so that is, you know, if you're retired and you don't get uh, employer-based coverage or you meet a lower income threshold, they could provide you assistance. So Medicare is insurance and Medicaid is just like assistance for medical bills. Um, I've actually heard of people who, if they don't have insurance and they don't make a lot of money. They can get a lot of their medical bills covered um, just because the government ends up paying for them, which, you know, is fucked up because quick detour when in 2016. Yeah, 2016, I got my appendix out and I was waiting in the emergency room for a long time. And we found out that a lot of people came to the emergency room in the summer if they didn't have insurance because the, you know, the government would pay for it because they couldn't pay for it. And that's great that they don't have to pay for it, but that's not necessarily uh, how it should be. And emergency room, you know, they're usually for like extreme situations. But if these people are coming there for, you know, just a cold or a migraine or something because they can't get to a regular doctor because they don't have insurance, it's all broken. One of the things that's frustrating about those programs and something that I mentioned in our episode with um, Stephen, a.k.a. DJ Empirical, a.k.a. the person editing our voices right now, is that, and now I see it since with the job that I work in now, we work with a lot of underserved communities, that what is labeled poverty by our federal government is such a, I guess, low threshold. Like it's a very, you have to be making very little money uh, to qualify for those programs, which means that a whole bunch of people who don't make that much money, but technically aren't in quote unquote poverty, don't get access to those sorts of programs. And that, a lot of that is completely preventable by increasing minimum wage and providing, uh, you know, better benefits. This podcast is going to turn into us talking about defunding the police, but anyway. Well, going. we'll get there. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm just I'm just looking quickly at the Minnesota website, but Minnesota's poverty rate is 10% in 2018, uh, which is honestly quite high, I guess higher than I would have expected um and i can't remember but i've looked into it before today um and usually a family so it says a family of two adults and two children are below the poverty threshold if their annual household income was less than twenty four thousand eight hundred fifty eight dollars that is nothing that is like so low like I, and i'm I'm very lucky to be in the position where I make more money than that. But the fact that 
that's considered poverty. Like, I don't know what you can do on that income. Um, and that absolutely should be changed. But also, like, people, like, families making $30,000 are struggling. Yeah. And they shouldn't be. They're, there should be no reason that people cannot get the care that they need. And that is why I'm very passionate about healthcare. <laughs> So we fast forward a lot from 1945 into 2010. Remember that year? I sure don't. I was a whole 14. First year of <laughs> yeah, high school. Right. I was 16, sophomore in high school, I think. Um, so health insurance, um, as we know it now, um, it was not always required until the introduction of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare in 2010. Um, although the effects of that were not fully realized until about 2016, there was a lot of issues. Um, you may remember when it went live that the marketplaces were all fucked up for buying individual health care and not um, like employer-sponsored health care. Individual insurance now becomes an option for those who do not have group insurance available, so who can't. It's not given to you by your employer. It's not. You don't have it through your family. That becomes available. And I will tell you now, I am actually on the marketplace insurance because I got a new job and the insurance doesn't start. I think it's either 60 or 90 days into the job, uh, which is honestly like way too long for me to go without health insurance because I am accident prone. Accident prone and constantly sick. Yeah, yes. Yo, I haven't gotten COVID yet, though, so knock on wood. We're, we're still doing good in that department. But I was about to say that you know, but you literally just got <laughs> tested, so I guess you don't. You hear that? That's me knocking. But now it's required. You are going to get fined $95 or 1% of taxable income if you don't have insurance. And it increases every year. Um, but members, it says uh, members of a recognized religious sect, such as a Christian scientist or Jehovah's Witness, American Indian tribal members, and those with, fi those with financial hardship may be excused from this requirement. Um, so I don't know the exact number, but people who have health insurance is now way up, um, which is good for them. But if they can't afford it, you know, my premium right now under the marketplace, and I would say this is a mid-tier plan. It's not the top range. It's almost $300. Um, and, you know, $300 is not an insignificant amount of money for each month. So that could probably be going to somewhere else. Um which is a bummer, but there are a lot of good things about Obamacare, and my favorite one is the 100% coverage of preventative care for women's health services, so like your annual OBGYN visit and like birth control. Um, this is the closest we have ever come, the United States, to universal health care, but it does still fall short. It 100% falls short. I am... Um... That aspect of the Affordable Care Act is good, and it's a step forward, a necessary step forward. But it is so frustrating. It is. That we are literally the only country with the wealth that it has that does not provide health care for all of its citizens. All the money we spend, well... Yes, all the money we spend on a lot of other things could be going into health insurance. Um, 
but it doesn't. So that's great. <laughs> uh, but the last part of history and I guess overview of health insurance is that we talked a little bit about it, but this is the marketplace. Um, you can buy insurance from private companies. So like your Blue Cross, Blue Shield, in Minnesota, we have health partners, but there is another option if you do lose health insurance, whether you you know you quit your job or you get fired. It's known as COBRA. It's an acronym. I don't remember what it stands for, but COBRA extends your coverage for a much, much higher cost. Um, I actually gasped when I read how much my cost would be at my old job. And the insurance coverage there was not great. I think I paid about $400 for employer uh, covered insurance, maybe $350, maybe it wasn't that high, but it was still a lot. Um, Cobra is about three times, three or four times that. So I would have been paying around $1,000 for continued coverage uh, with, with the benefits that I have. Nothing would change except the price. So I decided, all right, uh, we're not going to do that. I'm going to find a different insurance. Um, but it is handy, you know, before the marketplaces existed, or I know the marketplaces can be really hard to navigate. Um, but qualified individuals may be required to pay the entire premium for coverage up to 102% of the cost of the plan. So you don't, you don't get a discount. You don't get anything. You just get to say you have health insurance, basically. What's next on the docket? Next on the docket, we are going to go over a medical bill of mine, and I'm going to explain some terms to you. That was literally my next question. Beautiful. Shall we get into it? Please. All right. So how did Martha hurt herself this time? (laughs) Well, actually, I couldn't find that bill, but we'll (laughs) we'll go over. Well, I found a part of it, Uh, but we'll just go over a chiropractor bill that I got. So, um, there are a few terms you need to know in general about health insurance. Um, I get asked these a lot. Weirdly, at one of my jobs, I was like known as the healthcare guru because uh, my dad kicked me off our family plan right when I got my first job. And you know what? That's fine. That's that's his choice, and it saved him money. So I'm all for that. But I was forced to learn things very quickly. So maybe that's why I know so much. Yeah, I'm still on my parents' plan and I don't know anything. Don't worry. I have an entire section of this podcast that is called What Do You Need to Know When You Turn 26? So we'll get there. Uh, The first term that you need to know is deductible. And that is the amount you pay for covered health care services before your insurance plan starts to pay. Uh, so usually there's like a $1,500 to $2,500 deductible. So you would, if it was $2,000, you would pay the first $2,000 um, by yourself. And that's not to say that anything, like any service within that $2,000 is not covered by insurance. It is. It's just that the first $2,000 is a requirement. You have to pay that before you can get any additional benefits from the insurance. Um, after you meet the deductible, things change. So, hold on. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. It's it's confusing. So, this is two thousand dollars over the course of a year. Yes. Uh, for in this example, two thousand dollars over the course of a year. But some things, if you have insurance, are already covered, right? Yes. So 
if we look on my bill for a chiropractor statement, um, well, actually, we won't look at that one because that is another term that I have to explain. Um, so if we look at my one of my bills for my broken elbow that happened earlier this year, man, can you imagine that? <laughs> uh, there are so it, it's telling me that the charges for the services that I got. Um, so my, you know, emergency department visit was this and they put a splint on and that was another dollar amount. However, there is a, there is a column on the bill that says payment slash adjustments and that's what the insurance covers. Um, so only after you meet that deductible, that $2,000, that's when your coinsurance kicks in, and this is confusing, but once the coinsurance kicks in, you start paying less, and they start paying more. So it kind of just reverses. Hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So th these might not be exact numbers. I don't remember what my plan was, but usually you'll pay about 80% of the services. Insurance will kick in 20%. After you meet that $2,000, your number will drop down to 20% and insurance will pay the rest of the 80%. It's not perfect because you still have to pay, but it is better than paying full price. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah, it's a little weird and it varies by plan. So, but basically there there are sometimes when you're signing up for health insurance, there are two numbers. So say it'll say 2000 um Oh, I didn't even include that. Uh, we'll go over that now. There'll, there'll be two numbers. So there'll be a $2,000 and then there'll be a slash. Um, and then there will be $4,000. The $2,000 is what you pay before, you know, like this is what insurance needs you to pay. And then they'll kick in the coinsurance. The $4,000 number is what you will pay total out of pocket throughout the year. If you go $4,001, that $1 will be completely covered by insurance. So that's a bonus. You know, if you get sick a lot, you can meet both numbers, which I've done uh, twice. <laughs> so uh, does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. Okay, cool. Let's say your health insurance plans allowed amount for an office visit is $100. Uh, so let's say like the max amount for your primary care, like a checkup is $100 but they did something else and it ended up being 50%. So they would cover that, or sorry, it would be $50. They would cover that $50, but you would still have to pay the $100. Yeah, and if you haven't met your deductible, you would either way pay the full $100. See, that's the part that I didn't understand. I just didn't, I guess I didn't know that deductibles were a thing. Like when I started driving, myself i guess 16 to like dentist appointments um yeah i just go in and walk in because i knew who i was and then i'd be like all right i'm leaving now and they'd be like wait you have to pay and i was like but i have dental insurance they're like uh and i was like uh <laughs> let me call my mom <laughs> right so what they probably made you pay was a co-payment Yes. Um, and that's sort of just like an initial cost. So when I go to a chiropractor, my copayment is $30. So I pay that no matter what. Then my chiropractor pays 
or like she will bill my insurance company. Whatever my insurance company doesn't bill, I still have to pay on top of that thirty dollars. So does your copay go towards the deductible? It doesn't. Ooh, that's a good question. Let me look. Da, 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 da. No, apparently people want to know this you know the answer to this question a lot because it auto fills yeah so it, it did fill uh no apparently your copay does not go towards your deductible you do have to pay that no matter what well that's some bullshit yeah so i used to think because i would take myself to the doctor and i think i had a 30 dollar copay i used to think that was just a visit i was like okay 30 dollars, then we're done um, no, unfortunately not. But I, I think I made an error earlier when I was talking, but um, let me just go over that again. So redo this example, but let's say your health insurance plans, okay, you have $100 for an office visit and your co-insurance, what insurance pays is 20%. So if you've paid, if you've met your deductible, you paid that 20% of $100 or $20. So you only pay that 20%. The insurance company pays the rest. But if you haven't met your deductible, you don't really get coinsurance um, or it's really less. So you would still pay that $100. So I just wanted to correct that. I think I got confused. But that's all to say, I wouldn't really worry about the deductible. <laughs> uh, you probably just like won't meet it most years. $2,000 is a lot in medical expenses. Um, but if you're like me and randomly finds yourself in the emergency room at least once a year, it's been every year since I was 22. So, oh my goodness, I've yeah. literally never been to the emergency room. You know, it's not fun, and I hope you never <laughs> have to go. Um, unless you know someone's having a baby, then you go to the emergency room. But what's shitty about that is you'll get two medical bills for your emergency room visit. And this is because for some reason in hospitals and emergency rooms, there are two sets of costs. The hospital will bill you for use of their room, use of their, you know, medical supplies. So like they billed me for the gauze that got put around my arm. Um, so super cool. Um, and then you also get billed for the doctor. So the doctor's time, how much time they spent on you, any x-rays that the doctor has to do. So, and the worst thing about medical bills is that they can take a really long time to process. I broke my arm in January, my elbow, and I only got this bill last month or two months ago. So it took five or six months to get me this bill. Do you know what this sounds like? Tell me. A racket. <laughs> it's fucked up. It, it just makes me... I, like, I was... One bill was... I I want to say, like, 650 And the other bill was 750 And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, I... This is so much money. $1,400 for a broken arm. It might not have been that much. I don't know. But it felt like it. But still, I'm glad my family has had, like, relatively few, like incidents where we've had like i can think of one off the top of my head not counting children that we've had to go to the emergency room that's a that's a bunch of money yes so two things with that um if you think it's a lot of money you can always request an itemized bill of what happened so if you just get hit with a bill that's like six hundred dollars and they just say hospital visit 
most places don't do this anymore. I find that every bill that I've gotten is usually itemized. Um, you can ask for an itemized bill and sometimes I've heard that the costs get lowered because they realize they charged you for something they didn't need to. I wouldn't count on that happening. Um, but you can they do have these things on a on a medical bill called a CPT code, and I think it's six digits. And you can Google that. You can Google like 999-999 and it'll tell you the procedure and the estimated cost. Um, so that's something to do if you're interested. Take a medical bill. Like for me, um, I have a service on my chiropractor, which is 97110. And that is $65 and my insurance paid 37 So I could Google that. I generally trust my chiropractor, so I'm not going to spend my time Googling all these codes. But the second thing of that is almost all hospitals and medical companies will offer 0% interest on your medical bills. So if you, like me, can't pay $2,000 or whatever for a medical bill, don't worry. You can ask for a payment plan and it makes it way easier. So like beware of consolidation companies that are like, oh, you know, you have medical debt. We'll take them on. Like we'll give you a low interest rate. There is nothing lower than 0%. So you actually, that's a scam and don't do that. Um, there are also like medical credit cards that seem promising because you can keep track of it all in one spot, but it's going to cost you money in the long term. So do you have any questions about bills or hospital visits or anything else we have talked about? It sounds, uh, this is, oh, again, I am... I must sound so like ignorant to our listeners, but literally my family has just been lucky that I can think of two times my immediate family has had to go to the emergency room. So I just, I literally, I never had to think about it. Yeah. And honestly, most people don't. And I hope most people are not like me and spend hours of their life researching this. Um, but you know, the fact is something like you could break your arm on the ice or you could get COVID. That's why you don't live up north. Yes. <laughs> like I do. I was going to say, I don't live up north, but I do. Like up north in Minnesota. <laughs> Two different locations. Everything north of me is up north. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually a law, speaking of coronavirus, that most insurance companies will cover your costs 100% related to hospital stays. But again, that varies by insurance. So in that case, you should be mostly okay. But just in case something comes up, hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully people are learning a lot. I feel like I've gone through a lot in a short amount of time. So we talked about health insurance plans a little bit. Um, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because even I actually don't understand that. Uh, there's something called like a health maintenance organization and a PPO, HMO. I don't get that. Um, I don't really think it matters right now uh, in your life, in anyone's life. But there is one common plan that's called a uh, HDHP, and that is a high deductible plan. So, you know, that earlier number I talked about, like 2000, that's usually considered a high deductible. 2000 is high. So with that, usually comes something called a health savings account or a flexible spending account. Um, these aren't universal, but they can cover qualified medical expenses 
So when I had an HSA, I usually used it on copay or prescriptions or different medical bills. Um, and that's really great. Uh, and what's interesting is they aren't taxed. So some people actually use this and I'm not like a financial advisor. Don't quote me on this. I just read it on Reddit. We are not financial advisors. We do not pertain. Yes. What, what's the disclosure? But uh, some people use the um, HSA as a backdoor to cheat IRA limits since they aren't taxed. So you can actually um, invest your HSA if you want. But hmm. yeah, honestly, they're really great. Exp- uh, really great. If you have high expenses like me, um, when I worked at a larger company, they actually donated $600 right off the bat, um, which was awesome. Helped me knock out a lot of bills. So you can contribute a maximum of $3,350 a year to these plans. And these are IRS set, so you can't you can't fuck with that. But You can't finesse them. Is there any way, is there like a big difference between HSA and FSA? Not really. They are similar, but with HSAs, you can roll over dollars. With FSAs, you can only carry over up to $500 a year or your employee. So your employer can either let you do that or you can get an extra five or six months to spend that money. Um, They don't do both though. So FSAs are nice if you know you're going to use it. HSAs are usually better i would say because you can it rolls over if you don't need it yeah i believe on my parents insurance we have an fsa because at the end of december we're like we're going to walgreens <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like stock up yeah and honestly that's how um because if you have a fsa a lot of glasses retailers online accept them good point so if it's a lot for us at the end of the year uh, we'd be like new glasses time. <laughs> I think yeah. I, that's how I got these. No, they're, they're really great. Not every plan has them because like the kicker with that is if you have a high deductible plan, you have to spend a lot. <laughs> so it doesn't really yeah. logic out. Um, But I love mine. I think, no, I don't think I, I'm not getting one this next health insurance plan I have, but usually if, employers donate something to it it's it's a pretty awesome way to get some money so 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 far we've gone over the history of health insurance i've kind of walked through a medical bill um reminder that they don't have interest then you can always negotiate a payment plan which is awesome uh because i've looked at this and i'm like oops this was due a while ago but they're not going to charge me interest but they will take you to collections that hasn't happened to me, so don't worry. I, I do pay them eventually. I just, I forget. There's a lot of them. I can't keep track. So we went through that, and flash forward two years. Oh, no. Colby, you're 26. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> panic. <laughs> so, two good things about turning 26. Well, you know, I don't know if there's anything good so far, but... <laughs> One thing that you don't have to panic is that if your parents are on a job-based plan or and there's private plans, whatever, you do have 60 days to enroll in a new plan um, in something called a special enrollment period. 
So a special enrollment period is for like qualifying life events. So say you lost your job, you turned 26, you got married, you'll need to enroll in health insurance, even though it's not your employer's dedicated enrollment time. So even, you know, insurance marketplaces have this enrollment time. I had to file a bunch of papers saying like, yes, I'm no longer at my job please let me enroll for insurance because it is not covered by my new employer yet. Kind of a hassle, but the option is there if you need it. And in general, the best way to think about it when you turn 26 is to pick the insurance that fits how much you go to the doctor. You can always plan everything, um, but there are, you know, some factors that go into it if you don't have a pre-existing condition or like you don't have asthma Um, something like that. So an example of this is I have some friends that are just relatively healthy females. Let's just say you're only taking birth control. You maybe go to your doctor once a year and you have an annual OBGYN exam. They're not going to go to the doctor very much, so they don't need to be on, you know, the thing that covers the most. Uh, So What's really great is that a lot of employers are actually awesome with helping you understand how health insurance works. A lot of them will have plans that, you know, or documents that will explain how things work and explain a typical cost for the plan. Sometimes they're not always age relevant, but one pretty common one is, okay, this person had a baby. How much will it, you know, cost on this plan? How much will it cost on that plan? And... The good thing about that is you're not locked into a plan. You're only locked in for a year. So if you need a new one, if you're planning on having a baby in the next few years, you can change that plan when the time comes. Um, There will be different costs depending on individual or family plans. So say you're married and you want to get family insurance, that'll just cost more. But really, most people don't have to worry about this. You only have to worry about this if you're a freak like me and like this stuff and go to the doctor a lot. I have an entire spreadsheet of doctor's contacts. Do you have any other questions about what happens when you turn 26? Um, Nothing about when I turn 26, but healthcare.gov does have a glossary of qualifying life events. So if you're not sure if something counts, it has a list of literally everything and also a quiz that if you aren't sure just by their list, they can help you. Some examples, getting married or divorced. Uh, a seasonal working, a seasonal worker moving from a place, moving to or from the place that they work. A student moving to or from the place they attend school. There are a bunch of things that count as a qualifying life event. Yes. So ask. Ask HR. They're there <laughs> to help you. They're they human are resources. there to help Honestly, you. HR is the GOAT a little bit. Sometimes. Most of the time. Most I have some time. questions about some policies, um, but we don't have to get into that. <laughs> Help, I'll say this. HR is a resource that a lot of people do not know that they can use for a wide range of topics. Yes. And I think one thing that I know millennials and Gen Z, they don't typically like is to talk to people on the phone. Um, but if you have questions about your plan or anything, honestly, I would use the chat function a lot and be like, hey, can you explain this bill to me? How much money do I have? You know, have I met my deductible yet? And they would explain it all like that's their jobs. They know way more than me about health insurance. And, you know, they're friendly. They want you to get help. But it's 
one thing that's really, well, this is a complete topic change, but one thing that really frustrates me about this entire healthcare bonanza is that if you're a part-time worker, you don't necessarily get healthcare. And that is frustrating. Um, so if we don't have any more questions on this, I would like to talk a little bit about what the future of healthcare should be or could be, depending on how things shake out in the 2020 election. Let's talk about how things could be. Let's be positive. Yes. So let's look at our neighbor to the north, not Minnesota, but Canada. <laughs> uh, so Canada has something called Canadian Medicare. Um, and this is true for a lot of countries. I just thought I'd pick Canada because it's the closest one to us. Um, they have Canadian Medicare, and that is a universal publicly funded healthcare system. And while we were way behind the times, they passed this legislation in 1957 and 1966. So they were ahead of the curve when we were like, we don't even have health insurance. Pisses me off. But the Canadian Health Act of 1984 replaced and consolidated the two previous acts and set national standards for medically necessary hospital diagnostic and physician services. So basically to be eligible to receive full federal cash contributions for health care, each sort of province and a health insurance plan needed to comply with the five pillars of this Canadian Health Act, um, which stipulate that it be publicly administered, comprehensive in coverage conditions, universal, keyword, universal, you, for everyone. That means everyone. Uh, portable across provinces so you could still get care even if you lived in fucking Montreal and you were traveling to whatever the other city is, Vancouver, only two cities in Canada. Those are, those are the two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Not, sorry, Drake. Um, you know, Toronto, <laughs> the capital, Ontario. Um, and the last pillar of that Canada health act is that it be accessible. So with no fees, Ottawa's the capital, sorry, not Ontario. It's okay. I don't, I didn't want to get added by our Canadian. <laughs> do we have any Canadian? I'm sure we do. I'm sure, sure we do. A couple. So basically, Canadian Medicare is like, you're sick. We got you. Going to the hospital. It's fine. Nothing to worry about. Um, which is funny. I was talking to my friend in the UK and I was like, oh, like, don't you have to worry about this? And he's like, no, I, I think you forgot that we don't pay for health insurance. I was like, oh, got it. So that's what it could be. We could go into the hospital and not have to worry about how we're going to pay for it. Um, not have to worry about, you know, will they treat me because I'm too poor? Will they treat me differently because of my skin color? Those are all things that we deal with right now. And uh, that that might still happen even if we have <laughs> Okay, Okay, that, that's true, but... In a perfect world, that would not matter. But you're right. That probably would happen. I think that, um, I mean, the biggest difference is preventative care. Like, people could go to the doctor and catch things early. Yes. There's a great podcast episode on that, um, of the 1619 podcast from the New York Times, um, that this woman's father or uncle maybe, like, couldn't go to the doctor even though he had, you know, neck some sort of pain that ended up being cancer because he couldn't afford his treatments. He couldn't afford that. Um, 
And basically what I want to underline is the fact that no one should have to make a choice about whether or not they can afford their prescription, go to the hospital, get the care that they need because they can't afford it. And that's like the fundamental thing that's wrong with this country with healthcare is that if you have a, jo- a full-time job and you know, you're solidly middle class and you don't have other expenses, you're fine. If you do, you're fucked. And that's just makes me so, so, so incredibly mad. Same here, dude. <sighs> so defund the police, defund the military, <laughs> yes. fund our healthcare systems. And just in general, I think the medical... Well, this might sound a little preachy, but um, I I feel like the medical profession has a responsibility to, you know, do the best they can. And I think that one thing we could do is to make, if you have questions about things, make that a lot easier to access. Because there are patient advocates, there are state, there's a Minnesota family planning plan or whatever Um, That if you can't afford birth control or can't afford any of those preventative service, they can pay for that. But that's like not known. You wouldn't know that unless someone told you. Um, So just like make it more accessible or just make it free. There's the money's there. It exists. I just get mad. I just get so mad. I'm heated. I'm heated. So anyways, health insurance. It's a racket. Um but there are people who can help you if you do have questions, whether that's HR or, you know, the billing department of your health insurance or there are different, you know, state marketplaces. But I think we all just want everyone to be safe and healthy. And, you know, uh, don't worry. Like, I really wish we didn't have to start GoFundMes for medical care. Um, I really wish that people could just get care when they needed to and i'm gonna stop because i'm just repeating myself and i'm just saying the same thing so thank you for listening colby do you have any final questions that i can answer final questions no this is very helpful i really appreciate this because i don't know anything about health insurance so i'll check in in two years let me know when you need to decide a plan (laughs) we can go over it Two years. Yeah, two years. Oh, I have a birthday next month. That's weird. Happy early birthday. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode. It'll probably be around my birthday next time we record. All right. Well, I was going to end the podcast, but this okay. is how it goes, doesn't it? We can't end it. <laughs> nope. Bye. Find us online at www.MarthaAndColby or on Twitter and Instagram at MarthaAndColby. Thanks to Stephen Boyd and DJ Empirical for all things sound. Thanks to Jordan from Dreamful Podcast for the artwork. Shout out to Irene, even though you don't listen to this podcast. Don't forget to rate us five stars and subscribe on Apple Podcast, and we'll talk soon.
Roseville Raiders win for Roseville High. Da, 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 words I don't know. Da, 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 da. Rah, rah, rah. Something like that. Oh, that was recording. Sorry, Stephen. <laughs>